Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan, my good friends. I always forget to introduce them, and I did again this time. <laughs> that said, got to shout out our longtime sponsor from day one, Radar Toys, right here in Eugene, Oregon. You can go to RadarToys.com and get free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Save an additional 10% using our code BATFANPOD, B-A-T-F-A-N-P-O-D. All right. Now, we're going to pick up right where we left off with The Long Halloween. This is the sequel, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, this detective classic. This is Batman Dark Victory. My friend Jeff went on a hike yesterday and listened to uh, three of our podcasts while driving. Oh, I think that dude commented on our page yesterday, too. Nice. Jeff can never get those nine hours back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys ready? Ready, Freddy. Okay. Dark Victory, 1999. Ah, what a year. Written by Phantom Jeff Loeb. No. Just Phantom Menace. Why would you bring... 1999 is such a good year for movies, and you bring up the Phantom Menace? Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's one of the best ones. <sighs> Written <laughs> by Jeff Loeb. Illustrated by Tim Sale, colored by Gregory Wright, and lettered by Richard Starkings. Uh, initial thoughts on the sequel to The Long Halloween. Well, I appreciate the consistency by bringing the same team back. Yeah. They're re really trying to make a continuity. And I think it's better on every front. I do. Um, it's, the, it's the same people, but it's just like, I enjoy the story more. I, I think the art is a little tighter but i is it the placebo i don't know as tighter as a squiggly line can be <laughs> oh that's why he laughed i i don't know i i thought it was an upgrade for me personally but but i was also a big fan of the first one more so than you were i think there is some improvements though there's a handful of panels that i could point out that particularly stuck with me and this time i was a little more focused on what the drawings themselves weren't giving me. I focused a little bit more on like panel composition, not the orientation of the panels themselves necessarily, but like what's within the panel. If Batman is spying on Falcone's tomb or something, and he's like sitting on a cool tombstone to the bottom left, and then the rest of the cemetery like rolls out angles down towards the right and then there's sky and the moon up in the top right or something he's completely in shadow except for his logo is in like a teal blue on his sure. chest or yeah. a egg blue yeah so instead what i was focused on was like what he's showing me within the panels and stuff and a lot of it became more about like angles and dynamics instead and i also do think that the colors were an improvement because there's a couple things in particular that i that they did that i really liked but you still are not super into this art. I still do not super love sales stuff, but since he does the intro to the book, he has a line at the end where he's just talking about his own style and what appeals to him. And he says that he likes 
visual contrast, heavy blacks and thin lines. And for the first time, though it's kind of obvious, and you know, Sam, you talk about these kind of things where you'll say you want to make the kind of music that you want to hear. Yeah. It was like for the first time I was relating him to more like, well, I I still don't super love your style, but what I do love is that you're making what appeals to you. And so, like, argument over. He's he he loves big blobby blacks and he loves really thin lines by contrast. And he's so not trying really hard to look like Jim Lee and like this is what comes out. Yeah, just... for sure it appeals to him, so that's what he makes, which is no different than if I make some furniture piece and I really like straight lines. That's the kind of thing I make, and I make it because I like it. So he's making what he likes, and cool. I can't argue with that. So I he just, just in his basement. He just took out his lipstick and he crossed your name off that list. That <laughs> he was making. <laughs> Steve yeah, 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 yeah. I'm no longer on Tim Sale's hit list. I can actually <laughs> we can meet and shake hands in the future. Good reference. I just love how moody this shit is. I mean, again, these just deep blue color washes when they're outside. You know, like yeah. uh, I'm looking at this shot that Sophia and Gordon and Porter at the crime scene when the grave was defaced man it just all the deep blacks and occasional little blue highlights again you're only getting like the glare off gordon's lenses and a little bit of like his mustache and otherwise he's just exhaling into the cold air i mean this stuff totally does it for me every time the color combinations are a big thing that i do really like there's a lot of good color tone combos and you'll have parts where where they're having like a shootout between like Zucco and these other guys and and all the crates and stuff and it's got very purpley colors and then all the bullet lines are like an orange color yeah that really complements the purple color and i think that that's very cool and then another thing in particular it would have been on my pros list but there's a couple scenes where i think you have the first police officer gets hung it's like from the bridge and it's foggy and what would have been black because i know they're inked get turned into gray colors because it's clearly supposed to be like gray and atmospheric and so everything is a gray tone instead or there's the one scene where dude gets hung outside of like the person's house and batman is like up in the tree yeah and so, so you have multiple pages where it's all the cars shining their lights and so for all those pages, there's no blacks because the whole thing is flooded in like the headlights of the cars. And so all the things that were blacks get reduced to like a blue color. And then all, everything else is a lighter blue color and stuff where they just absolutely rob all of the blacks out of multiple scenes. That's very, very interesting to me. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these shots right now of like the hanging off the bridge, the officer in the beginning or this other shot of the hanging that's, I think it's in front of the old Dent house. Yeah, exactly. You're getting navies. You know, it's just mm-hmm. another shade of blue. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it never fully does resolve. That, yeah, yeah, all those that's clever. dark blobish shapes would have been black ink, but then they were changed in the coloring process. And they're made to be, you know, washed out by floodlights. Mm. I also just think since we were just recording The Dark Knight a minute ago, you know, this... <laughs> This Two-Face is is just so gnarly and so great, and I love that with that film that they took homage to the story, but also 
to the character design. I mean, it's just so gnarly. I, his version of, in this is is really grotesque, and I'm kind of curious. Sometimes he draws these little like flagella coming off of his head, and I'm not sure what these little like squiggly like meat noodles coming off of the bad side of his head are supposed he to be. He looks like silly putty if you like hit it with yeah. a with a hammer that's got the textured hammered end, you know, like when you whack yeah. it, it just looks like you just knock the shit out of it a bunch of times. Yeah, the part where uh, Poison Ivy kisses him. Yeah. But on the one but on the one side he doesn't have lips, just like exposed teeth. So she'd <laughs> yeah. just be putting her lips on his like <laughs> gross muscle mouth and his bare teeth dude my wife has done that to me just to fuck with me before we're like i'll lean in to kiss and she'll like go for a wide smile so i uh-huh. like get teeth i'm like ah oh, god don't do that to me <laughs> <laughs> marriage is beautiful <laughs> <laughs> oh man so the new da janice porter she wants uh, a retrial for alberto in the holiday case saying that his rights were violated by Batman. So the guy I referenced on Facebook would love this fucking story right here. Oh, yeah, the DA taking him to task. Fuck you, Batman, infringing Batman, on our civil Batman rights. just pay for Alberto's therapy and quit being a superhero. <laughs> just personally focus on rehabilitating him. And then we have this. I mean, the story is very much the same story as the first one just a continuation you know it's like people getting knocked off it's pointing at the same people as the first time because Uh you know in the original we end up realizing that there's sort of multiple killers in the holiday situation we have alberto two-face and gilda and so when shit starts going down here it's like well the arkham breakout happens but alberto stays in his cell He's working with Porter and trying to get off. Uh Meanwhile, you know, as these murders start taking place, well, they're all tied to Harvey Dent. And Harvey Dent left on the breakout. But at the same time, Alberto is out on probation. And the reader is just going like, well, it's the same fucking shit. Who's doing it this time? You know? (laughs) Yeah. And this one, it felt, the whole story felt more focused. I like The Long Halloween, but it, each of the little vignettes with the different villain mm-hmm. almost felt like a distraction, like pulling you away from some kind of main thread. Where in this one, I feel like there was forward movement the whole time. I feel like we were always focused on the one problem and going down that road. That's true. It's, I think that made it easier to read. It's probably more just, grounded in that yeah. way. Yeah. I can't tell if you're frozen or just not moving. Nope. I'm just agreeing. I'm just thinking. No, I mean Ben. Because <laughs> he was <laughs> oh, talking and then just... But yeah, in the beginning, I mean, we get like a lot of shit happens really fast in that first issue. So, you know, the breakout, Alberto's out on probation. Sophia receives a piece of her dead father, Carmine Falcone's hand, his ring finger as a threat. And Porter's office is burglarized for all of Dent's case files. And then Gordon's uh, cop informant guy who was kind of giving him a heads up is uh, the first victim, and we get the, the, chief of police. the hangman game. Was he the chief? I think so, yeah. Okay, and, uh, and we get none of you are safe, which is uh, significant, and they tie back to that later. I just kind of kept tabs of all of the little messages 
throughout because I didn't remember how it wrapped up at the end. Honestly, it's been uh-huh. a long time since I read this one. Once again, we have the world's greatest detective just sucking stumped no just scaring the shit out of the riddler for information again um oh, i need you to do my job for me but yeah I'm squeeze the blood out of your nose and i feel like that's uh that's, that's a, a different character but yes more common than uh i had really thought before because he does it in this he did it in the first one and god i was just reading or watching something else the other day where he does the same fucking shit i'm like god why does he keep going to Riddler to solve the cases? Just do the fucking work. And Catwoman like interrogates him in the bathroom. He's I feel bad for that guy now. <laughs> do we see him commit any crimes in either of these books? I don't. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. Everybody just uses him for information. For all we know, he could just be the guy from the buy this book and we'll give you the government loopholes to get free money. <laughs> he might not even be a criminal. No, it's just like in school when they're like, hey, you're smart. Uh, do you want to join our group project? If, if I join our group project, project, you mean like, can I beat you in the doing? Yeah, can I hurt you for <laughs> answers? That's one of my favorite panels in the book, actually. And this rendition of Batman isn't my favorite, but I love how he looks in this panel in particular when he's dangling the Riddler. And he has that line about, I could do this all day. But yeah. he looks like so solid and so statuesque. I love that picture. I like their Batman because their Batman is kind of like a Frank Miller Batman. He's really big, but he, he doesn't look quite so uh, like cellulite maybe is the term you'd use, or... <laughs> he still looks pretty lean, but he's gigantic. Uh-huh. He's a very, very huge person. One thing I think is funny is the way that Batman is given that like triangular wedge nose that's like almost always highlighted, like an upside down skinny triangle. Yeah, and it's almost always not black. It's almost always like blue or gray. Mm. And then you have a, a couple, and I think it's it's kind of funny and unique. And then you also have a couple scenes where. You see Bruce pretty pretty close up, like when he when he unmasks to Dick, and you're like, oh, I guess he does just have a weird triangle nose. I guess that's the reason <laughs> for that. You know, I was skimming through the book to find that Riddler panel you were talking about, where he's hanging him upside down. Uh, right after it, there's a page of Bruce and Alfred in the Batcave, and I hadn't really appreciated this before, but. He literally has a floor-to-ceiling screen that he's looking at the holiday riddle on. Uh-huh. It is the entire size of the wall. Who and installed the- that? <laughs> well, and, uh, yeah, seriously. And how far away do you have to stand to read it? Yeah, like kids staying away from the TV. Like, yeah. I, would think that, I would think that really far is still... Way too close to that huge television. <laughs> He's got IMAX in his bat cave. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man, though, logistically. Like, what electrician would you hire to come and install this stuff at your house? Poor Alfred. <laughs> that wouldn't snitch. Uh, yeah, Alfred had to learn the yeah, most yeah. advanced technology in the world, and then he had to install it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I'm, the, a uh, I'm a medic. Well, and then the Riddler in that scene once again points to two killers. And so we're very much just back exactly where we started and no, no answers whatsoever. Do you think that's like cheap or silly or anything on their part or too much like the first story? 
Well, it's, I guess it's a little like in the first one when they kept saying he or she over and over and over again. And it's uh, like, okay, we get it. But at least this was a one-time suggestion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my first thought was, well, Alberto Falcone is out on probation, on house arrest. Why didn't they take him into custody immediately when this shit started happening. All these murders connecting to him and his family and the murders that he committed are and, happening. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, yeah, we're going to retry you. We acknowledge that. But then, like, the moment you get out, people start dying that are connected to this. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, you're going back in for the time being. Yeah. Maybe that's just not how it works. We don't know enough about stuff. I mean, I could be an idiot, but that the whole time I was just like, in could what be. world is this guy still out there? Like, how Hell. three deaths, four deaths? No one is taking this guy in. What the fuck's going on? That unibrow is just running rampant all over Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> Crimes of fashion. The next victim is former Commissioner Loeb, who we sort of see in a bit of a pissing match with Gordon. You know, he comes into the office and I'm like, oh, I used to love this desk and I used to, you know, and basically just like, you know, you didn't earn this shit. You'll see how the, how the city really operates, you know. You won't be here long. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to last. He seems like a dick old man that I would not like. I hate old man dicks. <laughs> yeah, he seems like the old man penis that I would not be into. <laughs> <laughs> Describe the ones you are, though. As opposed, <laughs> as opposed to the, the, the kind of old man penis that I am into. Oh, man. That reminds me of a joke I'm not going to tell. Um, you probably should. <laughs> uh, reminds me of uh, Ron White. A comedian had a, a joke where he said, everybody's a little bit gay. It's just uh-huh. a matter of degree. And he said that in front of one of his friends, and he's like, what the fuck out of here. No, I'm not. I'm not, you know. And he gets really defensive. And he said, well, do you watch porn? And he said, yeah. So, well, do you only watch uh, woman on woman? And he's like, no, I'll watch a man and a woman making love. There's nothing wrong with that. And, he, and he's like, so do you like when the guy has like a little shrimpy flaccid and he goes, no, I like a big hard throbbing cock. <laughs> and, he, and he pauses and goes, I did not know that about myself. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. I like Ron White because isn't Ron White the only one of the blue collar guys who doesn't have a catchphrase? <laughs> yeah. Well, eventually he did. He had one special, I think, called Can't Fix Stupid. And that that was a that was a bit of a thing, but it didn't. I don't think it ever left that one record or whatever. He's got booze and cigars, though. He has like a visual catchphrase instead of. Well, yeah, but his coming from a purely straight edge person, his timing with the drink is so fucking funny. It's a prop. Instead, it it becomes like a timing prop. Yeah. Exactly, because he'll like start a sentence and put it up to his mouth and then stop, you know, drop like two words or something, and that's the joke. Yeah, it's I no love reason it. to hesitate or like, yes. you know, he inhales on the cigar or something when like when one should be taking a breath or something. Exactly. This week on the Butt Fanatic Podcast, we're talking Ron about your White. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I didn't want to say the joke. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, man, you, you should. Yeah. This needs to be diverse. So, Flass is the next victim. I don't know how bad we feel about either of these guys after reading your one recently. <laughs> yeah, I saw, him, I saw him toss a man half into a trash can, so I'm not <laughs> super worried about and that And break guy. his spine. <laughs> Knows if you've been bad or good. So, Santa Claus? Was this a Christmas murder? I don't remember. I wasn't much paying attention to the dates. Yeah. I felt like the timing wasn't as important in this story, so yeah, it kind of went it's, over me too. Yeah, it's true. They were a little more themed, over-the-top themes in the first one. Yeah, in the first one, they like coincided, and then you'd also have the little knick-knacky gift things. Yeah. So, <laughs> when um, Scarecrow shows up, I think this is done really well. Batman squeezes Zuko for information, and and this whole time I'm going, is that the same Zuko as, like, the one who killed the Graysons? And I was like, I, I know Robin's on the cover of this book, but I don't really remember him being in it. You know, we get actually very little Robin, but I, I was just wondering, like, is that the same dude? And uh, pleasantly surprised that it plays more of a part as it goes, but um, Crane is driving a truck. And he just wears that noose around his neck as like a prop part of his costume, you know. <laughs> and when Batman yanks him out of the fucking driver's seat with the noose that's part of his costume, I just thought that was a great visual. I couldn't remember in the first one or not, but I feel like this scarecrow is a little redesign on the costume too. It looks like it has more black. It's like black and gray kind of instead. Mm. Similar but different. Also... I don't want to glance over the fact that in that scene with Zucco or Zuko, Batman squishes his head against the desk so hard that blood comes out of his nose. And that is crazy. Yeah, you'd have permanent problems from that. Yeah, that, I, oh, wow. I think at that point you're, you're actually like crushing skull. Yeah, you're right. And this was a great scene I too. I kill people, okay? Well, he's not hitting him. He's just pushing his head uh, I, like, a, like a watermelon that's starting to crack and, and you're right, juice that's is better. coming out of wow. it. Wow. You're right. That's super intense. And I also <laughs> really... <laughs> I really like this scene too because it shows his strategic side because, yeah. you know... Shells. Yeah, exactly. He pulls the gun on him and he just lets him do it uh -huh. and drops the gotcha, shells bitch. like, ah, I think you'll be needing these, you know? It's like... He could have taken the gun, but he wanted yeah. to show that I'm better than you. There's nothing you can do to intimidate me. No, no, no. Let me squeeze your head juice out your nose hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a good sentence. That could be could be on a t-shirt or something. Quote me. Yeah, you're right, though. The Scarecrow is definitely a lot darker looking in this. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought, too, because I could have sworn the last one, you just had your standard, like, brand brown and tan colors but with the elongated face and hat but in this one it looks like it's black and grayish i don't know how the scarecrow escapes in this scene it's sort of like the whole superman not looking for the joker in the water yeah. but Batman's not a swimmer. <laughs> somehow he cuts the noose and gets away and the truck i think just goes off the dock there but uh -huh. we cut to this um selena waiting up at wayne manor on New Year's Eve and being stood up by Bruce while he's out fucking shit up. I feel like Alfred really still has his hopes on this, like settling down. You know, there's still hints of that sort of uh, characteristic in this. 
And she's pursuing him quite a lot. Yeah, she's putting up with a lot of shit. I like when she brings yeah. the other Falcone brother over and Bruce is swimming. And you get that, that, uh, that profile shot and Bruce is like two heads taller than him. <laughs> yeah. He's completely yeah, yeah. annoyed and, and unimpressed that they're there. I'm like, why are you here? You For can't sure. just show up unannounced. Really doesn't care. <laughs> There's the scene where they're having dinner together, and I think it's it's cute. I'm gonna say cute. And they're sitting at the opposite ends of the table, kind of like a la Keaton. They're way far away from each other, so she drags the table or her chair. Uh, across to like where he's sitting at the table but there's a single panel that shows that she's making like scratch marks with her chair across the floor <laughs> oh, and I was really? like no she didn't <laughs> <laughs> I would not tolerate that yeah that reminded me a lot of the Vicky Vale scene where it was like you know I don't think I've ever been in this room before <laughs> <laughs> you wanna go somewhere else um, I have this little note here is a uh, you know peep this train of thought I'm thinking of Catwoman in this and, and the way she, she looks. I'm thinking and, of Catwoman in this and the way she yeah, looks, Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about the way that she looks. And, Ben's always uh, thinking about that. She, yeah, she's fairly well endowed in the chest, and so I think of that Chappelle skit, and oh, I think of the... New like, York boobs. Got, I was thinking that like, Katie's got some big-ass titties. Oh! And, and then I, like... The real world. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah, like, Katie's got some big-ass titties, but Yo, it's Catwoman. I had so sex I with Katie, too, man. Notes. To kitties got some big ass titties. <laughs> Yo, I had sex with Katie yeah. too, man. Yeah, correction. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, since I read this, you know, for last week, I'm having to skim and refresh my memory here. Well, I watched that movie like three years ago, and I can talk about that. Well, Maybe this is just. Well, yeah, but I've watched uh, that like 50 times. Um, Sick burns, bruh. This book is really good, but just, I don't know. It just felt like more, more uh, of the same from The Long Halloween, which isn't bad at all. And I do like this more. It doesn't like, doesn't move me. I don't know. So it's, the haunt, it's so much of a story about all these other people and also these other characters that didn't seem to survive in later Batman canon. Yeah. The other Falcons and Holiday and who gives a fuck about Calendar Man and all that stuff. It's seminal. It's important. It's, it's almost like uh, Death in the Family. We're like, all the consequences of this book are important to everything else that came after it. I don't know. I feel differently. I I feel like it's special because we get to dive into the mob world that we don't get very much of. I mean, I feel like that is just as interesting a lot of the times as a big supervillain story to me. I mean, we we how many versions of Joker have we seen? We've talked about that. You know, it's like how many of these uh, crazy, over-the-top ones. I, I don't know. I just like a a real people, double-cross, whodunit sort of, you it's know. Like long Halloween. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, this is done differently and, and a little more of a natural progression through that world. And it's not like, okay, this villain. Okay, that villain. Okay. Actually, the, it was Gilda the whole time. Well, I mean, I love that. I, the ending of that was fucking phenomenal to me. We also wind up with uh, another year one friend, Officer Brandon, as a victim. Solomon uh, Grundy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, also. What? Yeah, we get a little Grundy. That's true. <laughs> I love this scene. This is very, like, animated series where Catwoman is caught and she's in the coffin. 
and uh-huh. it's kind of on a conveyor into an incinerator. You know, he shows up just in time, and their whole relationship is very like, I was going to do that. I would be fine. You know, like, just, <laughs> I didn't need you. <laughs> I didn't need you. You know, I meant to do this. It's fine. Don't worry about it. The conveyor belt and the incinerator made me think of Saw too, and, and I don't particularly like that. That's not something I want to think about anymore. The movie or being in that situation? <laughs> Uh, both what that what that movie showed me and what it makes me think about. Yeah, that movie. Uh, <laughs> I remember when I saw the first one. I was sort of getting out of horror movies at the time, uh-huh. but and then someone was like, "No, no, like you'll actually really like it. It's like kind of a a good take on the you know like a cop story in a fresh way." I was like, "All right," uh-huh. I checked it out. I was like, "Oh yeah, it's actually a really interesting crime twisty sort of tale." And then. Yeah. When the second one came out, I remember going to the theater and then was just like so repulsed. And I was like, oh, they took that one little thing about these movies and made it only about how gross you can make it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I only saw the first one and I thought like that was... Uh, yeah, the second one in particular has a pit of yeah, that's, hypodermic needles. That's and, the part I will and, never forget. Yeah, that's yeah. In particular, they're kind of like these niche um, things that would bug you. Not just things like that would. They pull a whole bunch of people. Like, what's your worst nightmare? Yeah, yeah, more, yeah, more or less. They're okay, not just scenarios you. that would hurt you. There's like a pit of hypodermic needles, and then another dude ends up in kind of this like incinerator tube, alive and lives in there for a minute, and then dies. And it's not. <laughs> it's not awesome to watch. It's interesting because I think about all that stuff in the context of Batman, and it's like. You throw Batman into any of those situations, and he's like, "I can feel the thirty hypodermic needles poking." <laughs> and then, like, he'll bust through a wall and get out, or like, "Oh, the incinerator starting to singe the flesh on my arm. I can feel it losing, losing uh, uh-huh. sensation." Well, I need to dial back the uh, the intake valve, and then I'll get it. Like, <laughs> you put a normal person in; it's a disgusting saw movie. Like, oh, it's hard. Speaking of niche, terrifying horror things in. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a divergent thing in Hook in the beginning when they put that pirate into the into the boo box Glenn with, Close oh yeah when they when they put that guy into the boo box with the scorpions that really got me as a kid and still to this day actually that's acclaimed actress Glenn Close is that yeah his she it's what? a woman yeah, it's oh, the that's cool. in, uh... Well, that makes more sense with because yeah. it has terrifying girly screams that <laughs> yeah. really pull <laughs> my flesh. I haven't seen that in like twenty five years, so I don't oh. remember. You definitely let's should. do that next episode. I just yeah, remember yeah, you definitely should. I liked Rufio. I remember that much. Rufio. Oh man, that's a that's Rufio. a really good movie. So a while ago, Evan <laughs> made his uh, comparison, saying that the dickish qualities of Batman reminded him of me. And there was a line in here that I thought would be right up your alley where he says, uh, I think it's just internal monologue where he says, Gordon has some new faces with him. They don't like me, which is fine. I'm not here to be liked. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I love that. I'm not here to be liked. It's okay. Whereas like the Bale Batman would be like, Gordon, it's great to meet your team. It's good to have allies in this city. This Batman's like, I don't care. I hate Catwoman. I hate all these police. I hate all the criminals. This little kid's all right. Alfred's okay. Uh, <laughs> Alfred's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's really harping on me a lot of the time, but 
I don't like Harvey. Harvey's not my friend anymore. We were hardly even friends before, but definitely not now. I thought I knew you. So when Pratt gets killed, his clue, his hangman clue that's on him, is scrawled on a photo of Gilda. I feel like that is a really good detail to include because although she never comes back, we know her significance just as a reader to the first story. So I think that's a, another good kind of red herring while you're trying to deduce where this is pointing, you know? Well, it's a nice way of pointing you at... Again, and I like the Gilda twist in the end of the other one, but it was a little bit out of left field. It's one of those when there are mystery stories where they give you enough evidence to figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. And then there are mystery stories where they don't. And so it's like, it's not really a mystery. It's just like, a, and then we reveal this thing. That's what Gilda felt like in that. Whereas the twist in this one felt more like if you were putting it together, you could have kind of, you could have had a guess that the main villain was the main villain. Yeah. And having that little reminder of Gilda kind of puts that in your head of like, oh, maybe this is not who I think it is at all. Maybe it's somebody completely different. Mm-hmm. Like, so some seed of doubt. Yeah. I like that, again, since this draws on year one, which is such a Gordon story, that we do actually get him reunited with his family, and they give it a second shot at their marriage. I like that. And this is paralleled with Selena disappearing, moving out of her place, and breaking up with Bruce being like, I'm not going to fucking wait around and be your afterthought, you know? I like how they still deal with that, too, and though that he's saying, I don't know why he would be so dense to miss it, but he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Scarecrow blasted me in the face with the fear gas. That's why I was being a dick to everyone and not yeah. trusting them and being paranoid. And then it goes back and tries to make it up with her. But She's this like, does seem like a quite a while later. I wouldn't have thought that these things would still have lingering effects however long this is after that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no reason to think that they wouldn't, I suppose, but I also didn't have any reason to think that they would still be like a factor in this story. Well, it's like that he wasn't, he wasn't, you know how sometimes you might be feeling something strong, but like when you, when you can become aware of it, you can kind of control it and like put mm-hmm. it in perspective. Whereas mm-hmm. like he just wasn't doing that. He just, with all the other things going on, he just like, oh yeah, that's right. He's acting out. Yeah, he hit me with that poison. That's why I'm being such a jerk more than normal. He was just consumed by it. Yeah. Yeah. And I do really like that scene between he and Alfred where Alfred kind of points that out for the first time. Batman's going all aggro and punching computers and stuff. And, and, <laughs> you know how much uh, time it took me to install that, Batman? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah, seriously, dude. And they don't he, make these. I had to make it myself. And I just think that there's like some really cool personal honest lines in that part, you know, where it seems so, you know, thick-headed and childish, but Batman's like, I can't be wrong, you know, like, there's there's no room for error in my operation, yeah. you know, either he's saying like, no, you're wrong, there's no way that I am wrong, or he's just saying, no, Batman should not be capable of being wrong about stuff. Yeah. I but, made Batman so that he will always be right and always be powerful. Yeah, exactly. And I like it either way. It's such a simple phrasing, but I just really like that he's like, no, not possible. Yeah, again, and I then, really relate to this Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so absolute. And then also there's some really sentimental stuff 
Alfred has the line, he's talking about teamwork, but also just in general, he says the only problem with being alone is being alone. And you're, you, yeah. so this is what you came up with, this shitty course of events and this misleading stuff and this untrust and no outside contributing thoughts led you to this and you've been mistreating people and stuff. You know, the problem with this is that you haven't been entrusting anybody with any input or working as a team in any way. You're totally rogue. You're not any closer to solving this. Yeah. You're just spinning your wheels. Yeah, like you right now are just as confused as you were just a little bit in the last book. And Alfred actually talks about the last book because they live in a world of (laughs) book volumes. You remember in our last big story. Yeah, yeah, so they recount the past in that way. That's probably one of the best things in this book is the introduction of Robin and that element of like him not being alone anymore and investing in other people and having teamwork. And maybe it's just because it's such a late act introduction that if it was earlier in the book or... I think it seems like kind of a breath of fresh air when it happens because it's... It is late. It is late, and it's not really expected. It adds a lot to a story that very much just has a linear beginning and end. You know, uh-huh. it kind of allows this little detour to get some extra character development. I think that Alfred's dialogue between he and Bruce, and at times he and Dick, is my favorite part of this book. That's the best scene is when they're yeah. doing a mirror image of him looking at young, young Bruce and not saying anything. Yeah. And then, like, these are all the things I wish I would have said to someone a long time ago. Uh, man, that's the same that, spot. Yeah. Or the that's scene the, where he discovers the locked door is Thomas and Martha's room, mm-hmm. and Alfred catches him in there, and he has the exact same dialogue with him, yes. you know, on one side of the page, and the other side of the page is the flashback with Bruce and. Man, that was just the most beautiful sequence. But with Bruce, in that last spot, he doesn't say anything. He has no response. He makes the correction. I mean, it's awesome for multiple reasons, because you have the atmospheric flashback quality created by, like, the ink wash versus the colored pages, and they just alternate, and they're kind of set to mirror each other, and they're similar the entire time. And by the time you get to the end, you have this last empty panel with Bruce, in all those subsequent years, Alfred wishes that he had said something to Bruce about being alone in that time. And then in this present mirror position has the opportunity to do pretty much the same thing and kind of correct his error with Dick and say something about him actually not being alone. I like that you pointed that out because I don't think I took it that way because I was reading it and he does say, I can only tell you something that I wish I had said a long time ago. And I don't, exactly. I, I don't know, maybe I did at the time and forgot, but I don't recall reading it that way. I, I was very yeah. much just like taken aback by the, the artwork and the layout and the, and the duality of everything. And I may have overlooked that he didn't say that the first time. Yeah, we're like, at, what? We're like, at fucking Ed's Lord, it's my turn to talk. <laughs> Sorry. Can we get in the other ones? Go nuts, man. Let's go nuts. Get on these nuts. <laughs> Get on these nuts. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, okay. Oh, okay. my God. You, you go, Ben. You go, Ben. We're well, professionals. I, so even though Alfred feels guilt about not saying that, then of not steering him somewhere else so that maybe he wouldn't be Batman and doing any of this stuff. Or whatever. 
Well, yeah, but you got to know in all the years since then, he's been his like soul. He's been his father, his sole confidant, his advisor, like another brain to help him figure these things out. A medic, a healer. He's made up for that, but he still feels guilty. Sure. And he wishes he just like this is his chance to do it different. Exactly. And we're witnessing them simultaneously, so it's cool to have them play out, almost mirror each other. This one panel lacks dialogue entirely, so we're like, oh. And then see the other one, where Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're referring to that panel that I just saw, Mm -hmm. where you didn't say a thing, and now you're saying something because... Okay, yeah, I get it. I'm stupid for not reading it properly. Yeah, yeah. If you think about about it all that... Punching muscles. That came from yourself. That was your own conscious talking to you. Nobody said that. I'm just joking. Okay. I also like the him discovering the the room because it was like the acrobatic scene of Batman and Robin, which is one of the best scenes in that movie. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so you, good. Yeah, I liked it in that, and I liked it in this, and I feel like you didn't like it in that movie. Did you like? I like the I like the scene in this where the kid is doing the laundry by himself and he's <laughs> twirling around all those rags. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was great in this story. To switch gears a little bit... You want to talk about Batman and Robin more, I get it. Yeah, yeah, if we could just... Do the rest of the episode about that. I digress. I was uh, actually sort of surprised. They show you these kind of shadowy bedroom scenes with Porter, and at first I thought I was looking at Selina, and then I was like, oh, wait, what's going on? Oh, she's fucking Two-Face. Like, oh my god. So hot. Like Sometimes you just kiss the one side, it's okay. <laughs> like you had said earlier though, with the weird open mouth shit, I would just like that reveal of him at the end of the bedroom what I was like, Oh, that is foul. Like what what is in it for her? <laughs> yeah, I would hope that there was a lot of like behind the back action and stuff and not a lot of of looking in the face we keep the Uh, lights off in this house yeah yeah that's true maybe that is why those panels were so shadowy it wasn't about mystery it was actually realistic they don't have the lights it's fucking disgusting yeah who would did they ever go into I can't remember did they go into this in this story that much about why she's helping him why she supports him and loves him yeah because school and she was like obsessed because he was a teacher at like the university or something She's also a fucked up weirdo like everybody else. Something. She, she had a crush on him back then, so well, now she's helping yeah, him. They do a good job of, like, Alberto went to the same college. Well, yeah, but I said that was after I already left or whatever. And so they show that that's a dead end, and then they revisit it later, going like, oh, no, you looked at it from the wrong angle. Like, Dent was there, too. Yeah, it was a different time frame, I think. Yeah. There's a great scene where Porter and Barbara are talking at the bar. Gordon shows up, and Merkel walks in the door. Like, oh, I haven't seen you in ages, and they're all catching up. And Porter makes her exit. Everything seems normal. And Merkel walks home drunk and is the next victim. And so we've already seen their fucking. And then we see that happen, and you're like, fuck, is she the shooter? (laughs) Or hangman or whatever holiday but leverage that's this villain's name because you need leverage to lift a body up to itself <laughs> yeah upper body shoulder strength that's what this bad guy's called i call myself the pulley man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's too long <laughs> 
Two-Face has a trial for Calendar Man, much like Batman did to Riddler, to find the identity of the killer. What do we think of this? It's kind of weird. It's a little off the rails. It felt like something from a cartoon. Mm, yeah. That he has like the rogues gallery as the, the, the jury and the audience and they're all, all these like psychos are going to like sit there and play along and it's weird. Actually, I think that is a season two episode of the animated series Trial. Who are they villains there? Who are they, who are they trying? I'm pretty sure Batman, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, Calendar Man is a person that I could be for Halloween. That's true. <laughs> Just have Amber right on your head. You could be Sophia yeah. Falcone also if you want. <laughs> That's a good idea. I actually do like some gender crossover action. Yeah, I saw your 11. That's probably one of the best costumes that year. That's, yeah. yeah. That was a good I one. I really, really rocked those upper knees. <laughs> but I like Calendar Man's retort when uh, pressed for the identity of the hangman. He says, well, why don't you ask Harvey Dent? <laughs> like telling Two-Face to ask Harvey Dent. I just thought that was a nice touch. Even when Are it gets we, weird, it's still well-written, you know? Yeah. The quality of this book is very high. I still like it more than Long Halloween, even though I, it doesn't... I don't know why. I don't know. I yeah. do. Just a more enjoyable read. And maybe that, including like Robin and stuff like that, brought me more into the bigger Batman story. Is Joker doing his kind of solo rampage missions before the trial or after? I believe it's after because uh, in my notes, after this, we have uh, the stolen 22 is found in Alberto's room. And he thinks it's the voice of his father who's left it for him. Um, Gordon sees that the bat signal is lit up and he goes up like, what the fuck? Who turned this on and gets hoisted up on a noose? My pulley, man. And that, yeah. <laughs> the pulley man of South <laughs> The pulley man strikes again. The pulley man is there. And, and this is super weird. This is when it starts to get really convoluted and confusing, where you're like, okay, well, but Dent is there and helps him down? And like, uh-huh. I know I was here at the same time, but it was meant to look that way. I didn't do it. And you're like, well, yeah, you fucking did. No one's going to believe you. I don't and no know. one noticed the six foot eight woman who's as big as Dark Knight Batman sneaking <laughs> off the roof. <laughs> or she yeah, just like you, hiding the whole time. Yeah, it gets a little, like eventually you have this like Harvey, two-faced, two snipers on different roofs. Pull, yeah, Pulley Man, <laughs> Sophia, Alberto, Calendar Man, the thing going on and all of a sudden I was like, I, do, I don't know what's going on. I better just keep reading. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I felt like as if I could Listen, access, Dad, it doesn't all have to make sense. Just... Uh, let it go. No, that's not what I'm saying. I just mean that I, I don't think that even if I thought about it uh, like a lot, like a lot, a lot, I don't think I could actually even fully fill in those blanks. Even if I was like, Sophia is pulley man. I still, <laughs> I, I, I still wouldn't have filled in all of the rest of those things. Like, oh yeah, the calendar man is hiding in the walls. Talking to yeah. I don't think that I would have arrived at those conclusions. So right after this, you're right. The, Joker rampage starts, and I yeah. I love the shots of him leaning out the window on that old car with the Tommy gun. Can I drop a random Easter egg right now? Go. In that very first page of that chapter, he's out the window, Tommy gun, the license plate says TS2K, Tim Sale, 2000. Oh. Just a way to sign his little page. It says 2V3V90. 
No. I'll find it. Are you sure you're not thinking of the other book? You're talking about the Tommy gun scene, right? Yep, it should be the very first page. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, because there's a, it's vertical text on the license plate. It's not. Exactly. Yeah, it's not shown on the splash page, but on the oh, previous yeah. page. Well, yeah, and that's what also confirmed to me that it wasn't like a fluke because on the following one, two V, three V, ninety, but on the very first one, we're so, hanging out of the side. Yeah, chapter eight, battle, very first page, out the window. Look at me, ma, top of the world. It's yeah. That's two actually funny because look at it though because the first main numeral on that plate is a four, but then when yep. you turn the page. It's showing the vehicle from the back, and it's a two. So, Inconsistent. Is that like a always. stolen? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why he's he's sneaking his signature and the date in, and it, it's not a reoccurring thing. That's why it's just him signing his picture. Gotcha. He also did forgot to make the license plate the same. Well, I thought maybe it's like a stolen car, and they swapped the plate or some shit. I don't uh, know. Yeah, some James Bond rotating <laughs> license plate shit. I do like that in sort of like we talked about the beginning of The Dark Knight, how he's offing the guys one at a time. So he has all these guys out there putting on hits in Joker masks, and then they die because he'd poisoned the fucking Joker masks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very on brand. I was going to say, I like his giant gun. It's comical and ridiculous. Oh, me what too. bullet fits in that revolver? Yeah, that's some super... Corkscrews. I thought, I thought you were talking about the Tommy gun. I was like, that's no, it's a like 40, a, he has like a flare a gun the main gun. Yeah, yeah. It's some straight up comic bookie shit. It just shoots corks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's actually the size of like, you know, like naval fleet ships. They have these like uh, high caliber cannons on deck. That's pretty much what that is. <laughs> it could be like a um, big, powerful Nerf gun. Yeah. It makes this like... Sound when it comes up. <laughs> Super fatal. Like when you put your hand on the end of a vacuum attachment, yeah. the suction. Dunk. 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 Exactly. I like how we all did the sound. Yeah. Dunk. <laughs> oh, I thought we were no. going to do it again. No, we moved past it. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, Read the things. room. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. God, I'm stuck. It was a serious uh, show. Yeah, yeah, my bad. <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about Saw some more. I feel like we had a real nice thread going. I've that. got some more I mean, I Ron White it. jokes. Actually, I think I watched like the very beginning of number three. It's like this compound trap where there's like dudes chained in place and there's rings piercing his entire body. And also there's a bomb that's full of like screws and nails and shit like that. So it's like tear your own body away from all these piercings in time to flee the bomb or just die because the bomb. And I, I seriously watched like the first 15 minutes. And I was like, the end, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen the original Mad Max movie? No. Yes. That movie ends. And I feel like I maybe have just said this in my life many times. And that's why it feels like deja vu. The movie ends with him to spoil it for everyone. He handcuffs the bad guy to a car. And he gives him a saw, and he's like, it will take 10 minutes to saw through the handcuffs, or it'll take you five minutes to saw through your hand. Did James Franco play the guy who was cuffed to the car? James Franco probably wasn't even alive yet. I don't think, but maybe? I don't know. It's just a 127 hours joke. Oh, yeah, it's the same kind of idea, but the guy doesn't live, I don't think. But that one scene in that movie was enough. We didn't need a bunch of saw movies. Yeah. That one little scene at the end of that movie was enough. I was on a plane... End of last year, I think, and the person next to me watched 127 hours. And so, like, the dude's, like, sawing off his arm. and sh- I'm like, I'm not trying to be looking at this shit right now, like, trying to 
watch my own show over here. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's the movie with the rock climber guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember watching the first Saw with, like, because Lauren hurt his ankle before I got in my motorcycle accident. And, and I remember watching the first Saw with Lauren and, like, Plesky and somebody else shortly after. No one knows who any of these um, people are, but thanks. That's all right. It gives its world building. Well, the people who know me and who listen to this podcast will probably know who I'm talking about. And you have the scene where the dude smushes his foot with the top of the toilet, and Lauren just, like, about lost his lunch. It was, uh, <laughs> it was like, too true for the time. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Joker Rampage. <laughs> Two things. He pretends that he's a window washer, and he gets up on a high-rise building, and yeah. he shoots in the window. Like, awesome. But then there's a single panel where they look out the window, and there's only the other two guys in the mask on the window washer platform, mm-hmm. and Joker's gone already. And I'm like, where did he go? I didn't think it was actually him doing it. Yeah, I think there's like three guys, maybe. There's only two guys in the shot. What? Yeah, it's just one of his goons. He's just making a joke, so it's misleading. If you count the teeth, you can tell it's not Joker. It's a fake. <laughs> Be funny if oh, like yeah. yeah okay you're right we, uh, no 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 wait maybe I'm looking at this wrong but does this shape not look like a hand holding the rope on the far left I can't tell I mean it could be or, or is that, like a, yeah okay that might be pulley man yeah this guy on the far side is holding the rope system here's a dude center doing the shooting and here's a guy maybe a black that also doing it this uh, could only be a hand I'm not sure I didn't read yeah. that as a person but maybe. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, sorry. So this is when uh, Gordon's security detail gets hung in the parking garage. And at the same time, we've got Joker pushing Sophia down the stairs and killing her guards. And we actually get this, first of all, this awesome where he's pointing that giant gun and a huge panel that's only the word blam. That's pretty Sin City, and it happens a couple times. I like it. Yeah. Also, considering that this comic, this series is like devoid of sound effects. Mm, yeah. It's one of the only places where it shows up, and it's just a whole panel rather than a sound existing on a panel. Also, yeah. love that follow up. You shot me, you bitch. That's one <laughs> of my. That's one of my favorite pictures of him in this. <laughs> and then it was actually Alberto who fired the shot. Yeah, not not a girl. <laughs> This part, too, is kind of funny because he says, now, call me crazy. Okay, you're crazy. But I think you can get up. And Yeah, you're what? right. So, turns out, in the end, she can walk. But what I thought, I thought Sophia was her dad. And that's why she had the scars. I thought that, like... Well, she got somehow, scratched in the end when she fell off the roof along Halloween. I know, but I thought... So they don't explain that until the end when Selena's talking about, like, out the window in Italy and plastic surgery and she, and she cut herself in, like, memoriam, kind of. But I thought because they already had the same scars and I didn't know that. And then Joker's saying this stuff about, like, you can walk. I thought it was her dad posing as her and mm. that was, like, this whole thing. Oh, it's pretty close. Yeah. And they do drop some of those hints that, like, maybe he's still alive. Yeah, um, aside from his finger. But I like that, because that's another sh- thing showing that the Joker is, like, smarter than anyone here, that he yeah he kind of thinks that she's not really what she says. Yeah, he's, he's a little outside the box. So this is when 
we get the invitation to the circus. And I love that. It's just stunning the way this book opens with five or six full-page silent panels. That's just a, a montage of what happens to the Graysons. And, man, I just I thought... that. Fantastic creative choice. I loved it. We don't have to watch that whole thing play out. We hop into it pretty much immediately following their accident because we don't need to see it. You don't need to spend the time on that. I love the silence, and I love that in... It's like two-page spread, 242, 243, and you have Dick and his parents silhouetted by some kind of spotlight, very reminiscent of like Bruce and his parents yeah. under the streetlight in the street, uh, and Bruce also under another spotlight standing in the background, like silently observing. I like the overall treatment of Robin in this and his origin, because it's easy to forget that he is like once or the basically the exact same tragedy that Bruce did. Yeah. Because the character is so much more lighthearted and easygoing as both Robin and Nightwing. Unless you watch Titans. Yeah, the Teen Titans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Buff he's, Batman. He's, uh, he's just like fun, kind of silly and goofy. I just like this shows you that they are the same in that way. I mean, I know it's obvious and we talk about it all the time, but you don't see it as much. Maybe because he had a different upbringing. He had Bruce and he had Alfred. Yeah. But he, especially- like, he went through the exact same things. Especially since it wasn't an actual accident, since it was intentional. Mm. You know, both their parents were killed by other people through different methods, and that makes mm. it very similar. In front of them. In front of them, yeah. Dick goes on his own to confront Skeevers, who, again, we're seeing reprised from year one. And Batman has to swoop in and save him before some... Kind of like uh, All-Star, where you're like, are they going to murder a child? They might murder a child. You know, and and then he takes him to the cave and pulls back the mask, you know, and reveals himself. That was a really nice scene as well. Earlier, right when he saves Dick... When he knocks down skeevers, it looks like he's kissing skeevers on the cheek. He's just like kissing him. What I like about that same panel is how wrinkly he makes skeevers' face look. It's like there's so many wrinkles under his fingers. There's a million wrinkles. Because <laughs> he's also trying to squish the juice out of his head. Yeah, yeah. Turns out his head just isn't as juicy as Zuko's. <laughs> well, and it's not going to happen. And he does take the Moroni sons and do something similar in that the Moroni restaurant kitchen scene where he's smashing his face on the the grill, you know? That that shit's badass. (laughs) It's like the Bugs Bunny cartoon where he's, what is he, he's like shaving Elmer Fudd's head as a barber. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the scalp massage. You're right, he does, this does look kind of intimate. Tell everyone, the circus is off limits. Snooch! So we get a couple more uh, holiday victims here, or hangman victims. Pulley man, God, get the name right. Sorry, pulley man. Wait, who is King? I said Dent arrested and King is killed in the process. The Mr. Freeze scene, that's what it is. Yeah, because Harvey and uh, Mr. Freeze are uh, on the run from Gordon and his team, and they split off in pairs. 
and oh, yeah. one of the pairs is uh, hung, and the other one, Two Face, actually takes and puts a gun to her head. And we're, also, we're also seeing Mister Freeze for the first time. He wasn't in the other book. He wasn't. Uh, I don't think he was in Long Halloween. Gotcha. Long Halloween didn't have that whole scene where they're in the cooler and singing songs. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, yeah, when they're entreated with the care of a hotel and they're trapped in the freezer and the hotel is talking to them, telling them to kill children. And that's okay. The Here's Iceman. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Victor. I hope you have a chilly Christmas because I am not holiday. Chill out, daddy. <laughs> I'm going to be your father now. Sam's like, nah. Hmm. Oh, yeah, fucking. And then... um. Now that they do have Dent, they put him on trial, and that's when like Poison Ivy and Grundy and everyone busts in and uh, makes this big diversion. Which and, is one of the coolest panels in the book. Well, and also story-wise, it's great because I mean, on paper, it's a big villain breakout sort of thing, but it's also he had convinced Porter to bring all of his files. Yeah. And and say, oh yeah, you better bring yeah. all the evidence if you're gonna take me down or whatever. And yeah, they sort of start to files. turn on each other a little bit. And then yeah, exactly. Now he has all of his shit back. Well, also like in that same scene, Batman has an inner monologue of saying that Harvey has used his tactics and techniques of like managing your threats and going after the biggest threats first. He's used that against him using the exact same villains of having Grundy take out Batman first. Yep. But the others can do their thing. Yep, that's true. Yeah, the, the fighting technique carried over. The Thomas Wayne medical technique. Well, in this scene that follows is really great. So they do the breakout, right? And then they go and get Porter. And they're bringing him to Two-Face. And Joker is starting to get his own ideas about, you know, I'm done taking orders here. He's like, how about I take your little lady friend and Two-Face just draws and fires and kills Porter. And you're like, what the fuck? And yeah. Joker's face is like, it actually like Arthur Fleck. He's just splattered with blood all across his face. He just laughs like, okay, sure. That's, that's, that's my second favorite. I think my third favorite is the one where that chapter opens with Porter, Harvey, is that you? And then the second one is a two-page, and it's got Joker and Scarecrow, and he says, guess again. And then they go to Harvey, where Harvey shoots her, and then that, that one that you're talking about, Sam, that's like my second favorite Joker panel. He just goes, <laughs> ew. And he has all this, all this blood splattered on his face. He's got his, his super long, like, angled face. His face is half the panel. There's just a couple, like his versions of stuff is pretty inconsistent, sales is, but there's a couple ones in particular that I really like, and this is one of them where it doesn't look like the way that he usually draws them, it looks weird, and, and I like it. Well, and well, it's nice because Scarecrow is on the other half of the panel, and his face takes up the bottom half of that panel. And also, he's just looking down. It's insane, and also covered in blood, and then there's a little shot of Two-Face in the bottom right, where the smoke from the gun is dividing his face yeah. into the... Yeah, Two-Face and Harvey sides. One of my favorite things, though, in this scene is actually just the expression on her face because a lot of the villain designs we've talked about, some of them can be really odd. Even Batman's face can look odd 
Uh, a lot of the facial stuff is kind of all over the place, but this shot of Porter's face is... Where she's saying no. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you get in, you know, The Killing Joke or Earth One or something like that, where it's just a very real emotional yeah. scene, you know? And they, they, <laughs> they give her, even though it's punctuated with that joke at the end, you know, or, where he just laughs it off and he's splattered or whatever, but, I mean, they still give her an emotional send-off. That's an excellently drawn panel. Yeah, that's quite expressive compared to a lot of things. Tell them, Harvey, tell them that I love you and, and you love... Ovaltine. Ovaltine, yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit before that, too, I like you have this scene with Alberto maybe looking like he's going to shoot Sophia, and for just the page, they do like the black and white the the black and gray six panel throwback to Long Halloween because yeah. that's how all those all the holiday murder scenes have that yeah. like black and gray panels and he doesn't shoot her but for just a single panel they divert from what they've been doing and it looks like maybe he'll shoot her cool little uh, throwback to your own shit well and then right after this they plant her body in Alberto's room in his bed like yeah. the Godfather and. He's about to just say, fuck this and end it. And then he starts to hear the voices again. And he's like, "That's this is not my dad's voice. And that's when you find out that dude has just been living in his fucking walls like a rat. Like, uh-huh. Julian Day is just in the fucking corner of the room. Like, install the speaker system. That was the weirdest. Yeah. yeah, that was the weirdest thing for me. I don't like that whole subplot with the father's voice and the... Him being in there the whole time. I think that's is, bizarre. Is Calendar Man an old Batman villain, or was he made for this series? I mean, I got the impression that he was like an, an old, stupid one that they brought back for this. I don't know. Seems yeah. Like it. yeah, he seems like an old-timey villain. But they're trying really hard to keep him in this, so I, I didn't know if he was like their baby or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's a little bit unnecessary. It, it fits with the vibe of both of these books being very much like a murder mystery, a convoluted murder mystery, but it's it's a bit too much. But he's just dumb. Uh, yeah. yeah. And even if you do something that's like cl- a clever twist like this, it's still just him and it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it only really serves to be misleading, I don't know, not even both times. Kind of in the first one, but at the same time, you're like, nah, he's still in a cell. One thing that's cool here after that whole sequence, Robin is looking at the evidence in the Batcave, and he's like, wait, we play Hangman in school. This is nine of you are safe. Uh-huh. And he's like, wait, what the fuck? And then his head spins, and he's like, shit, I did not strongly enough consider Mario Falcone. And this is one of the best-looking parts as he goes into that room with the masks and the nooses. Uh-huh. All ev- everywhere. It's kind of like when he comes in on the Court of Owls hiding spaces, you know, and uh, then immediately gets hoisted up. And of course, Selena bails him out. It's just, it's weird how, like, whenever the main characters get caught, Gordon gets it, Batman gets it, Scarecrow gets it, they all immediately get cut off. But still, it's and, visually and, very cool. Uh, that, Batman would have been fine because I love that shot of him afterwards, just like kicking off the wall, flipping, flip up out of it. It's like, 
I'm Batman. This isn't Saw. I can get out of these insane <laughs> situations. I, that's that's like mini on my cons list, actually, because I don't that think move? that shit makes... Yeah, I don't yeah. think that makes any sense. No, he puts his feet on the no, wall. No, I know what you're wall. attempting to show me, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think that that would play out. It's a lot. Good. No, there's a little like, momentum lines. I get it. It makes sense. I get what he's trying to do, but I, I don't think that you're... Spider-Man uh, could do so, that. Like, so hanging... <laughs> so so hanging is is generally aided by like weight and gravity and the fragility of your neck and oh, really? yes but honestly it doesn't have anything to do with it like it doesn't have to be down gravity and the way that centrifugal force works and pushes things to the outside it's possible that in batman attempting to push himself off the wall and flip to the outside does the exact same thing that a hanging a person would do He's like, wearing a neck brace. He has a full like neck. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. See, you're so quick to be cynical on this stuff, and you're wrong. Yeah, I really want to. Yeah, I want to hate all this stuff. And, but joking aside, yeah. is this physically possible even with the neck brace? Yes, I'm not quite sure that your quads could to could <laughs> propel you to the top of the building, even if your neck could withstand it. Again, I maintain that this is a plausible move if it were Spider-Man, but that's about it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It looks very cool. I like it. Also, like we were just talking about Robin helping him solve the riddle. And in both of those two pages, I do like the way that the panels are laid out and just kind of the pacing of it. On 332, on the top, you have pretty much the same three panels repeated. And it's like a look, look down, look up, look down. Um, Hey. And then he helps him with it. (laughs) By the way. And then he proposes this thing. Nine of you are safe. You know like a message not a clue and then the next two panels is like bruce silently looking alfred silently looking back to dick just think the pacing of it is funny like hmm (laughs) i really like this godfather-esque montage of the columbus day massacre where you have face in one scene ivy in one scene freeze in one scene and the Joker in one scene, and there are four wide panels across one page, in each taking out a different mobster, and basically takes out all of the periphery characters that were left in the same time that this nine of you are safe realization occurs. Uh, I mean, the, the thing that I love about Jeff Loeb's storytelling is that there will be a lot of mystery and like, I don't know where this is going, but then when it does... It's very like, bam, bam, bam. Everything falls in place really quick and accelerates. So it's like a slow burn and then a big payoff. And then a slow burn and a big payoff. Yeah, so, oh, where is Calendar Man? <laughs> oh, he's hiding in the payoff. closet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's summer hall. <laughs> Good. Yep, that's Pop exactly point. the payoff that I was talking about. <laughs> So in yeah, here, like Calendar Man, he's a real Batman villain. In here, we have the flashback montage from the end of the first book, with Sophia and her getting rescued and her plastic surgery and all that, and recutting herself. And I feel like that's where you lose me, um, a little bit. You don't feel like her character would do that? That just seems far-fetched? Or what? I don't know. It just, like, it's one thing for her to, like, have survived. It's hard to follow. Or survived and be okay, but then, like, oh, and they 
the fixed her face and then she fucked it up again and then it's like, well why do you even have that part in there then yeah yeah what is the because i always think of like well if there's an action in the story there's a purpose especially in a story like this so what is the purpose of that well, the purpose is to show that she's so nuts and angry for revenge that she damages her face again to not forget it but it's and all yeah. Also, I did think that she was her father, so that showed me where her scars came from. And but she, she wasn't. She got the scars. Oh, I get it, because the scar was on the other side of the face. Well, she cut her uh, own face again. Yeah, but again, if the whole premise was that she did it after plastic surgery fixed it, then it just it's weird. It's only like two pages, and I was like, why? Why is this here? Uh, maybe we're just supposed to feel her anguish and relate to her torment or something. Yeah, I like it. having read this before, but not as many times as Long Halloween. I I didn't remember that she was the villain. It surprised me this time. Yeah, nice. I think both of these. It had been a long time, and I didn't remember where they ended up. You know, with this one, we still sort of think Alberto's involved, and then she smothers him right after the Calendar Man reveal. Yeah, you know, Mario goes in for protection. After he finds out that Porter died, we see that they've been working together, and he implicates Sophia because he hears that tape where uh, Wilcox was killed, the cop. You know, it was like, we had, and then hung or whatever, and he's like, oh, we had a deal. He's like, I saw that name Wilcox on Sophia's books, you know? And then it really, really starts to come together here with the end. We get this crazy bomb at the end actually this shot of batman diving on scarecrow to put him out um is a lot like the dark knight when he jumps on harvey to put him out um, i love that his next line is tell me what i want to know or i'm gonna throw you back in the fire really upset really afraid and then yeah we get sophia standing up looking like a big Amanda Waller against the flame background, you know, <laughs> just like all of a sudden she's built like a linebacker. I didn't notice that before. Yeah, and she's got some big hands. The the cranial scars and shit's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, again, we get a main character. She hangs up Harvey, but then gets cut down by Batman. I think Batman cuts him down and he says, oops, when he hits the ground. No, it's like a weird sound word. No, it's like a oof. Oh, yeah. He's like, oops. O-O-O-O-P-G-H. Oof. Okay. I like that the Joker lets Grundy get shocked on the way out just so he'll disable the fucking... I thought that that was a real turd move, and then he says he'll live again. I think maybe Solomon Grundy has like kind of a resurrection thing going on. I don't know enough about it. I think Batman and or Robin have killed him before because he doesn't actually die. He just comes back. Yeah, I think that's just part of his thing. Well, yeah, even uh, Face says, he's died before, he'll live again, let's go. Yeah, not concerned. Well, and and Uh, obviously this is right after uh, he shoots Sophia, and that's when they get away. But we get this amazing shot where they find themselves under the Batcave, and it's just this huge Burton-like vertical-layered Deep, yeah. deep, deep cave. I love this shot. It's a real cavern. This is also a mini con for me. Where were those tunnels and they led to the Batcave? Because I always get the feeling that Wayne Manor is like pretty out of town. Yeah, yeah. I do they too. They started in a cemetery? Is that where they started? 
I was uh, kind no, of no, unclear no. where the bomb happened, to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Unless no, they ran a really, really long way. No, the stuff that they're sh- the stuff that they're showing when the bombs go off is just pretty nondescript. It looks like a city street, and it's blowing manholes up. They just look like they're in a sewer. To be honest, I do yeah, like but, though that we've talked about the whole Joker needing Batman thing, and when yeah. Two Face finally gets the drop on Batman, Joker just shoots him instead. <laughs> For sure, you have the other Blam there again. Yeah, Man, yeah. He's punching the crap out of Harvey. <laughs> I, I just noticed it too. I haven't noticed it before, but Batman gives him a right and then a left punch. So the punches show the better half of his face and then the worst half of his face in the two punches because he's. Oh, he's, true. Yeah, he, yeah. He's hitting his head back and forth. And then he's like, Bats, stop. Just begging him to, like, don't punch my head anymore. Oh, yeah, because he doesn't he, draw he doesn't on him stop. until that. Yeah, then he, no, yeah, not this time. One more punch. And Robin takes out the Joker by smacking his teeth. His huge, his huge <laughs> smile. I would love another shot of him after this where he just has missing fronts. Well, the next shot of uh, Robin on him, like he's taken down the trophy beast. Yeah. His face is very messed up. Yeah, even in the panel where he's hitting him in the face, it gives the impression that he's like smacked some shards out of there or something because there's some Oh, some yeah, you're right, spaces. you're right. It does have sort of the broken piano key look when... Robin's got his <laughs> yeah. foot up on him. It's pretty cartoony. I also really like that that scene has Batman looking at the Robin costume and going like, what are you wearing? I love that. <laughs> that's, that's so much better than Batman picking that suit out for him. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, at the end of the scene, that you know, I love something that uh, action scene concludes and then little comic relief lines right after because that's how quickly you are to retreat to a place of comfort and humor right yes. after fighting a bunch of bad guys and seeing some dramatic stuff totally what is that you're wearing i love the ending of this between that and just kind of the button up but mostly just the stuff between him and robin and asking him what he wants to be called and making their little handshake packed promise to each other is very cool i like as far as the epilogue goes, they finally explain why Selena was always around because they never tied that up in the first book. And I bet a lot of people probably wrote to them about that. So why does she care? Yeah. Now we get the five years. We'll we'll answer your questions. (laughs) Yeah. Give me a minute. Now we get the Selena Falcone possibly, but again, they don't sell it really. They just plant the seed. I think Catwoman when in Rome covers that. Oh, really? That's the sequel they did. I think the two of them did to this. Yeah, I know they did. I, I haven't read it yet. It's not as good as The Phantom Menace, but... <laughs> what is? I had a couple Easter yeah. eggs here. In the beginning, Selena says, uh, it's not as hot as the night Johnny Vitti got married, because that was how the first the- book opened. They talked about that. And how people will forever refer to the heat of this night. Let's see. Yeah, Skeevers was in there. Selena moving her chair. We talked about that. Oh, yeah, the whole scene, we sort of touched on this, but like with Alfred, you know, when I suggested that anyone could be fallible, you insisted that Batman cannot. And that was very much like the scene with Alfred in The Dark Knight where he says, know your limits, Master Wayne, and he's like, Batman has no limits. He's like, well, Bruce Wayne does. Yeah, so I I like that, obviously being such an influence on that film that I'm sure they drew from that scene. Pros? 
Oh, wait, I have a couple Easter eggs still. Oh, I thought you used we your turn by about. leaving. No, we were uh, did, did you mention all the ones that died? Oh, okay. I have something to yeah. say. Let me leave. Yeah, thank you. One of them was the license plate that I mentioned already. The throwback to the uh, holiday murder panels. I think the only other one was that early on you have Catwoman going to the morgue. You have this neon sign outside that says Gotham City Morgue in like pink neon lights, mm-hmm. but it's missing letters, which is a lot like the hello there, hell here, mm. Batman Returns, like uh, the missing neon lights thing. What does it say instead? Mogu? Yeah, it's nothing. It's, it's oh. not actually anything cool. It's not a combination of letters that makes any sense, just the missing like pink neon lights. Gotcha. Um, I think that's it. Pros? The color, again. This book has a lot going for it, but the, these colors are amazing, and the palette is just... That's what... It was such a pleasure to read because of that. Yeah, I was really into the the artwork on this one. Again, I just... I love shadowy Batman, and this has plenty of it. This version of Catwoman, like this character design, I like a lot, too, with the, the super high boots and just the purple outfit. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a nod to the Jim Ballant of that era... But it's its own thing. I also really liked the covers in this one. You have, it seems like generally a villain on every cover, but mm-hmm. they're all broken down to pretty much black in a single color. And then in this collected version anyways, right below that picture, it has what looks like a little digital sketch or something of the same thing, which is more or less just a looser version of that same picture. And then also you have the, beginning of the chapter cover or something that shows Gordon at his desk but what changes is the background he has like a pin board where you know you would put clues or something yeah. but as different parts of the story change then it has different stuff pinned to his board he stays mm. the same and his desk and the foreground stay the same but what changes is the background and the stuff that's attached to his like evidence board that's he's cool. all black and white right or black and white and gray or something uh, and the colors are on the things on the background i believe so like also pretty yeah you're right um here's one early on that has some right up right yes <laughs> darn darn right on right yeah it's black and white and gray in this one it has some holiday stuff and all the pins on the board are red stuff like that you mentioned those covers that are like single color over black with the uh-huh. character faces I follow this guy. I think his page is called Gotham City Vintage, and he's like vintage T-shirt seller. He has all of those on T-shirts. So the Dark Victory covers all single cover or single color on black uh, T-shirts that he had found. I thought they were pretty cool looking. Yeah, that's right. Cons? Oh wait, no. Uh, my other pro I had was Dick Grayson. I just really liked... He was very minor, but I don't feel like he was underutilized. I thought he was just a nice addition to the back half of the story. He's brand new. He wouldn't be doing a lot of Robin stuff anyway. Yep. Uh-huh. Another great shot with him is where he's just standing casually on Wayne Manor. And, like, Batman meets him out there. He's just standing on, like, a like the very top of a peak of the house mm. outside. Just like brooding. <laughs> it just made me think there's like a three panel training montage with Bruce, and in one of them, he's doing like a one arm push up from like some spire on the top of his his house. Like, that's 
cool. That's doable. The, the other one's a Houdini where he's locked up in chains. That's how he unwinds and goes over the day. Yeah, I've had a bad day. I need to drown myself. <laughs> I actually really like the Zatanna episode on the animated series because they show him learning to be an escape artist and a magician and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I remember that. Cons? A calendar man. <laughs> no way. So, some of the overall like convolution of the story, it's a, it's just a little confusing at times. Or there's so much thrown at me that I have a hard time like keeping it all weighted or something. I don't know. Yeah. It makes me feel good to hear you say that because sometimes I'll think that stuff is just me. I'm reading this and I'm feeling confused and I think that maybe I'm just incapable of grasping whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, and like Long Halloween, I mean, I think it's an, at least partially intentional because you're supposed to be confused like him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also just as a story, it's it, it makes it a little harder to read. And it's like even the author knows that it doesn't quite make sense, but as long as it makes sort of sense by the end, then you'll be okay with the fact that the middle didn't quite line up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that it's a little too similar to the first one, but it doesn't have that amazing payoff that the Gilded Twist had for me. Yeah. I think that Sophia, I don't know. It just it, it wasn't enough of a departure to really be a big surprise. Well, I think the beginning of Harvey Dent is a way more important story. I yeah. mean, maybe the reason I liked reading this more is just because I haven't read it nearly as much. Yeah. But that story is a lot more important. I really enjoyed uh-huh. it. I burned through it quickly, and I liked all the stuff with him and Porter and a grounded telling that's less of the theatrical stuff. I, I really do like that. But, yeah, I don't know. Detective? The whole thing is him trying to figure out. He just is not very good yeah. at it. Like you said about uh, Bale, I don't think this is the smartest Batman. He's really smart. He's just not doing a good job. <laughs> I, I, I also think it doesn't give you many... It's not like a multifaceted detective thing. It's like either you can solve riddles or you cannot solve riddles. And maybe this Batman just isn't very good at riddles. <laughs> he has to go to the Riddler. Or a yeah, child. Like, yeah, or a kid. Because that's pretty much all you got going on in here is killings and riddles in children's games. Ninja? He fights pretty well. He doesn't that do anything. Pretty good. He kicks off that wall. Yeah. Escapes from a hanging, so that's pretty ninja. Yes, yeah. There's plenty of punchings and bullet dodgings. It's not a yeah. big action story, but I mean, there's some. There's like that crazy shootout kind of in the middle gang war that he gets in the middle of, and yeah. a lot of his hiding. He hides well. Yes, yes. Very mysterious. I like when he's creeping on the cops and he's up in the tree. Mm-hmm. Nobody looks up. Yeah, yeah. Like invincible. <laughs> yeah, people just don't look up. <laughs> trauma well I don't think it gets conveyed a ton but there definitely is this silent relation and minimally acknowledged connection to Dick they convey it in imagery anyways even if it's just him silently observing the scene of the accident at the circus you get this feeling that he relates to that otherwise I don't get it a lot yeah I think you're right he really empathizes in that moment but overall it's not a driving plot point or anything even though it could have been, because the whole idea of why he's Batman is because as a child, he was too weak 
to stop this happening. And then so this is, again, he's apparently too weak to stop this from happening too, but they don't really touch on that. Yeah. Huh. Ratings? Four. Um, I will say a four and a half because while the art is similar, I also feel like it got upped a little bit. So it's a little bit better than the last one for me. I have a four as well, and I'm I'm not married to that number. I'm just a week and a half removed from reading it. I feel like it was uh, really enjoyable at the time, but it's not like some jaw-dropping shit that I immediately have to pick up again. You know, mm-hmm. it's more of a I had to pick up again to look through it to remember what well, all the fucking complicated shit that happened. <laughs> year one i mean we talked about year one a while ago and i can remember stuff from that better than this and i just read this yeah that's how i feel too is it's just like they threw a lot and maybe it's because we read them both back to back but it's like there's a lot of shit happened in these stories and uh 14 issues if you count the issue zero yeah versus like year one is four issues yeah totally Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more content there but again, also, there's some messy stuff that doesn't always help. But, but I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's very good. I'd recommend it to anyone. And I would definitely read it. I mean, I've already read it, I don't know, a few times. I feel the same way. It's like if it didn't include some of what might be some unnecessary convoluted stuff, that space, whatever that is, still takes up space in my brain. And if it didn't exist, maybe, Ben, like you're saying with year one, maybe you'd be like a little more present or absorbing the other things if they weren't also tossing all this like weird storyline in your head to take up space. You could be more preoccupied in absorbing the imagery or a more minimalist storyline. Well, yeah. you know, they just announced, didn't they, that they're doing an animated long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking how, cool. how these would translate if they did, if they gave it like a Dark Knight Return, whatever that book is called. The treatment of that were like they oh. cut it down a little bit and refined yeah. it and condensed it. Um, yeah. It'd be really good. But a lot of times with those animated adaptations, it's like, well, how could we make this 20% worse? Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, let's... I need a <laughs> if we If we could cut this thing down to 75 minutes... And just cut out a lot of the stuff that people liked originally. Because <laughs> uh, not all of them are under the Red Hood or Dark Knight Returns, you know. Uh, so I will watch it and I look forward to it. But I also have been, I've, I've seen enough of hushes and other things where I'm like, uh, skeptical, I'll say. You're keeping realistic expectations. Yes. So. I think it's almost better if it's original material for the animations and then you don't run into any scenarios where you had to cut things or add weird stuff that doesn't need to exist like batman and well i guess batman and ninja turtles was a book you read that but i'm sure that there's some stuff that i I don't know maybe there isn't any animation that doesn't draw from Batman uh, the ninja one i think that's its own thing yeah yeah what about like uh gotham the gaslight one is, is that also a book? Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe there isn't. Then not. So, <laughs> but I mean, you're I, right. I think you could like the movies. I think you could create an original animation with its own story, and it could be really, really good, and not beholden to this other story. Yeah. Then you wouldn't run into any of those. Well, it wasn't like the other thing, and they left this crap out because yeah. it exists on its own. DC's but not um, making anything anymore. DC's all about 
HBO Max. That's it. <laughs> the uh, digital green screen background interviews. <laughs> what? The, like the fandom. fandom. Yeah. Oh. But well, also the movies, well, he was talking about HBO Max and ben so... Like standing in front of a green screen. <laughs> There's no exploding hospitals. This is all done in a computer. True. My mom is Martha too. <laughs> Got a room full of Marthas here. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warman. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Always have a good time bullshitting about comics. Next time, we're going to do it. We're going to wrap up our review of the Dark Knight trilogy. So we're going to do a really long one on the Dark Knight Rises. Let me tell you, I think the session was almost four hours before I uh, cut it down. So... Man, you guys are in for something next time. Now, again, if you want to support the show, take a little screenshot. You could tag us, tell a friend about us, text it to your best friend who likes Batman. Just do it. Just send him a text with the link. Be like, yo, check this out. I know you like The Long Halloween. Listen to this on Dark Victory. Check it out. Oh, you like Christopher Nolan? Check out the Bat Fanatic podcast.